My name is Nick. And I'm Damien. You're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientist and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. And we're back. Welcome, everybody. My name is Damien, of course, and I'm here with my good co-pilot here. Say hi, Nick. Hey, how's it going? And our guy to keep this plane up in the air. Say hi, Pablo. Still soaring, baby. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, today, I kind of wanted to talk about some things that we forget when we're trying to run our lab. When In reality, it's just kind of a business. Mm-hmm. We just got done talking to one of our clients. He's starting to realize that outsourcing some of the recruiting stuff is actually beneficial and he's kind of liking it. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's one of the things that we work on and develop in the budget at a later stage. Um, In in a previous podcast, when we were talking about the budgets, Mm -hmm. we definitely start with that ideal situation. But one of the things that comes up and that so many people, I don't want to say forget it, they they just don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Because we're so in the trenches thinking about doing the project ourselves that we forget that there are other options on how to do different experiments or uh, have different services provided for you. On the scientific end, we think about it a lot when we're talking about accounting, uh, lawyers, uh, anything sort of a more professional service. But, you know, science is like that, too. We do have these professional services that, yes, are expensive, but sometimes end up being less expensive than doing it ourselves. Yeah, we had a client that actually had one of his technical staff basically stuffing little pipette tips in a singular (laughs) box. And if for those that you don't know, these little tips are basically what we use on a regular basis and you use thousands and thousands of them. And mm-hmm. we were paying this, he was basically paying this technician $30 an hour just to prep these little boxes because his rationale was these boxes are super expensive. Let's just have him stuff them. And I'm right. kind of like, are you kidding me? You know how much your, your technician costs? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely deceiving though. When you just look at the price, mm-hmm. you know, the boxes are, let's just assume that you're buying a case. Mm-hmm. It's a few hundred dollars. When you're looking at a tighter lab budget, you see a few hundred dollars and you think that's going to be too much. And then you see this other option mm-hmm. that in this case, the tips, they come in, in little boxes and uh, they're just placed in a way that are easily accessible and they're all clean. And then there's another option, where which is like this bag that is just <laughs> stuffed to the brim with oh, yeah. these tips. You and I both remember those days. <laughs> yes, I've, I've autoclaved my fair share of tips. You know, in a big lab, that makes sense. You know, It's an economy of scale. So mm-hmm. you have someone who can do thousands of tips and you have this like little mini army of people that can fill up the, the boxes that you have. But when we're working with the small groups, and that's especially important to us because the groups that we're dealing with are typically under five people, probably like two or three because we're just starting. Um, When you're paying a technician, you know, 30 to $35 an hour, that expensive option initially that the big initial investment actually becomes cheaper because when you look at the other things that you're paying for when you're buying this 
cheap, massive bag of tips, everything adds up and it ends up being, you know, the $15 per box that you were going to save by buying the bag ends up costing you an extra $15 because you forgot to add in the time that you're paying the technician. Yeah. And this is time value in the business world. We have to understand that time value is a huge consideration when you're kind of planning out your projects, planning out what you want to do. And we always kind of encouraging certain things, certain skills or processes, particularly some of these routine, mediocre types of services can be outsourced. And so we kind of like help people to understand that sometimes there are certain aspects of projects and experiments that you can outsource to a, a contracted service provider mm -hmm. or a CRO, contract research organization. One of the more common ones that we actually see outsourcing is mouse models. Yes. Uh, and that's the one that people are typically saying that they can do themselves and forget that Science doesn't work perfectly every time, so they're not adding in a buffer. Mm -hmm. uh, they forget that they have to actually pay for the time for someone to do it. Mm -hmm. And all that stuff, again, adds up to usually being more expensive. Mm -hmm. These services exist for a reason. Mm -hmm. And yeah. when you're reaching out to these companies that are doing this day in, day out, the advantage, you know, on top of knowing that at the end of the day, you're going to get that model or, you know, in this case, the mouse that you're looking for, mm -hmm. you get a guarantee. Yeah. We actually had uh, in my old, old lab, I had convinced our, our lead investigator at the time that this was an option that he should outsource his mouse model to an outside company. He was like, we have this mm -hmm. postdoctoral scientist that can actually do it. And one of those mouse models costs about 50K. And I'm like, all right, so you pay your people 50K, probably 70K plus benefits. And you have, they have never done this before, but <laughs> then you have this company who actually is existing to do this all the time. And yeah, that's 50K, but then this person may get it right or may get it wrong. While this mouse model can be made in less than three months, it'll take at least a whole year for this postdoc to do it. And so as you start to think about the time that it takes and how much can actually be done, while this mouse model is being made, the postdoc can actually be doing other experiments and basically doing the designs behind the scenes. And then so therefore you get to publication quicker and you can actually yeah. write a grant off of that. And you don't have to troubleshoot as much as you would in-house. That's what I was going to mention too is... Initially, right now, even in this conversation, we're focusing a lot on that financial metric, you know, the dollar sign. Yeah. But sometimes, and most of the time, we should be focusing on the science, which is what we do. And you look at the time and evaluate the progress that you're going to be able to make if you outsource that. Yeah. Yes, fine. It might, bottom line, it might be more expensive. But if you look at all the prep work that your team can do simultaneously while this is being outsourced somewhere else, preparing for that model to come in, preparing mm -hmm. for that, you know, that thing that you ordered, once you get it, your team hits the ground running, you get to publication faster, you get to have that pilot data faster to get to investors a little bit quicker, or you get to write that grant a little faster. Yeah. 
I know what you're saying because I do. We do get people that kind of push back and say, "I, I just, I, I know Nick, I know Damien. It's just we don't have enough money." And so we go, "Okay, there's a little bit truth to that, but also you don't have enough time. We mm-hmm. gotta like understand that outsourcing helps save a, a significant amount of time, so you can actually get closer to that money quicker." I think that this needs to be taken into consideration when we're uh, think about some of the projects because we're so triggered by less amount of time and contracting out work can actually really help help you out significantly mm-hmm. and it, there's also this idea of science being this solo project i yep. think in within science I, I don't think that that's so much of an issue i think people know that it's it's actually pretty social in terms of collaborations and getting other people to work with you. Uh, But definitely from the outside in, you think of science, you think of that classic lonely scientist (laughs) on the bench with the pipettes not talking to anyone, which just simply isn't true. Mm -hmm. There are other ways to get help. You know, yes, we can outsource work and we can purchase things that are prepared, like those tips. Um, But another thing is you can actually have people temporarily come into your team and help you out. And this is I'm going to say the word that I'm trying to avoid to say, because, you know, for so long, scientists have been taught that it's taboo and it's consultants. Mm -hmm. You know, I. I can't tell you how many times we've gone into a meeting with administration or other types of the business people in science, and we are avoiding saying consultants because it's such a trigger. Yeah, because there's a whole historical perspective that people don't really know. And so when they see certain industries that had been abused with certain kinds of uh, strategies, they, they don't realize what it was actually designed by. And this goes back down to like even management. I think there's a lot mm. of people in science that like are afraid of management because management creates this restrictions. But if anything, right. management can be a, a place where it actually supports you, makes things easier. That's what management is supposed to do is make the science easier. And consultants mm-hmm. are part of it that they're supposed to give you a breadth of knowledge from their own experience. And then they come in to say, you know what? We've done the research. We've done all of the studies. We have enough experience to know that this approach is the best approach or these are the best practices. And we'll help you to figure out how to solve that. But you're right. There's a lot of people that like still like think, oh, consultants, the, the dreaded consultant C word. <laughs> What kind of gets me is that consultants consult. They're not taking control. You're the one with the final word all the time. Uh, Is it expensive? Sometimes, yeah. Um, But that's a relative. Expensive is a relative value. Expensive, what is expensive is your time. How much time is lost and waste, not to mention your approach doesn't work or things doesn't work correctly, and then you've wasted amount of time. One of the, um, the best things that I've always liked telling people is using the Home Depot analogy. I'm like, you should see (laughs) your business as like Home Depot. Yeah. One of the things I love about Home Depot is that you can do it yourself. They provide you everything that you want. And then you go there. They even have the books and information and all of the, um, the stuff that you want to build out your house. Let's just say you want to do your own plumbing. And so you go ahead and uh, go to Home Depot, try to uh, get all the plumbing gear, even pick up a book or two to read up on it. And so you go back home and you're like, how hard could it be? And then you start. And then you start and you you're you got your pipes everywhere. You don't have the wrong socket. You spent a whole weekend. Your spouse is still really upset because you haven't had water for several days. And then you go back and to actually consult with uh, Home Depot. And then they go, oh, all right, you know, you should do this, this and this. Yeah. 
and or we can do it for you in a fraction of the time right. and then then you're still knee deep in water and you're like all right yeah i give up home depot come in help us figure yeah. this out and then you're like wow but they're so expensive you know what was so expensive your whole weekend and your whole mm -hmm. family upset with you because you could not get that water fixed and so right these are, this is some of the same <laughs> strategies that people should think about even in their laboratory research and consultants are not quote expensive what is expensive is the focus on how much it costs i think you should right. uh, i think people should really think more about and, that you know this is a great parallel to actually bring us into the mix because the home depot analogy and having the mess at home is is usually what we end up walking into uh, especially <laughs> if people are the ones that, if they're calling us at the point where they are frustrated and mm -hmm. nothing's really working out it's really frustrating uh for us to see people go through that experience so with so much difficulty because they're you can't blame someone for not knowing what they don't know you know mm -hmm. scientists phds they've spent the last at least eight years studying science and all of a sudden we're asking them to do something completely different which is lead a group and uh start a business put a lab together yep. and most of the time and not all the time but most of the time they're doing it on very very old advice you know, when we're asking them, where did you hear that this is how you did it? And it's, oh, it's my mentor that did it in 1980 that told me that this is how he did it when he got his lab. When we talk about experience, usually the people that are giving the advice that are in the industry have done it themselves, maybe once, maybe twice. If you're thinking academia, you're lucky if you've managed to do even once set up a lab once yeah or it, let alone twice right mm -hmm. you think of that and then even in that case it doesn't really apply because they're moving they're not putting a lab together so when you come and talk to someone like damien or myself we have more experience in the past year than most of the people will be able to get from even like a panel of people mm -hmm. you know just Last year, we put, what, eight labs together? Mm -hmm. And that's built on the labs that we put on before that and the ones that we did before that. So you're coming to people that have put, you know, almost triple digits now, yeah. labs together. <laughs> and we've had time to refine those processes and, and know what it is you should be paying attention to and what it is just to to forget and let us handle because it's kind of a, a one-time purchase or something that's only being done once all that's doing is giving you more time to focus on the things that you actually need to focus on and that you should be focusing on well i want to go back exactly what you were saying about the time and the money value i think that right now a lot of uh, young faculty and entrepreneurs, they're very sensitive to time and money, and they mm -hmm. kind of understand the value. But one of the things that we want them to always understand is probably the whole point of our EQIQ podcast in, in itself is the emotional component of what value means to right. uh, an entrepreneur or a founding investigator. Because that time that is saving you or that or money which is saving you or you're, you're spending that time or spending that uh, money is of value to you in some semblance on an emotional level, whether that's relieving some frustration, which you were talking about there before, mm -hmm. 
or when that's actually helping you get much more excited to do what you want, like which is your science. And I don't think right. people really understand what the time that you spend or the money you spend is actually getting you or enhancing some kind of value what you desire. And so the moment we help people understand what they desire, which is their science or scientific breakthrough, we can understand why and how these metrics are really important and how outsourcing or consulting or any other uh, formats can can help. And I think this is where we have a part of our own program. We do a lot of the coaching side of it, which that's a big component of what it takes just to lead a big, huge team. Right. It's an emotional journey. And, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but I, I find that these emotions in whatever direction you're going, you know, if we're taking the positive or negative, they're compounding. Mm -hmm. And the farther you go down in one direction, the more they add up and the more weight they all have. So if you're if you're going in the wrong way, you're getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. But if you go in the right way, you know, and you, you think about you're doing all the things that you want to do, you're mm -hmm. focusing on the science, the methods that you're implementing are better, mm -hmm. freer headspace, more creative, mm -hmm. more excited to go to work, mm -hmm. better team, Mm -hmm. <laughs> more money, <laughs> yeah, more success, you know, and, and it just, everything just gets better and better. And and that's really the goal of, of what we're trying to do when, when we come in, you know, yeah. it's to eliminate all the mental head trash, eliminate all the items that you don't need to learn, mm -hmm. like those things that you only have to do one time. We take yeah. care of all that. One of my taglines right now, I constantly tell clients is, we love management, so you don't have to. And that term right there, that little sentence and phrase really singularly helps them to focus. Okay, I understand management is important, but I don't like it. I really don't like it. And goddamn, there's somebody else that loves it. Hell yeah, it's, <laughs> it's worth my time. Think about like the number of people that do say, I don't know, weddings. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like Nicholas, you've <laughs> the been classic through, like, example. Yeah, planning a wedding is no uh, small feat. And I can't believe some people try to do that all on themselves. When this is where a wedding planner comes in and saves you so much heartache and grief. They might be, quote, expensive, but my God, it becomes worth its value when you don't have an angry spouse <laughs> walking right. down that aisle. I, mean, I remember going through that. It, it's <laughs> such a, I, I think it's such a good parallel because yeah. that was a very like emotionally charged mm -hmm. situation that mm -hmm. we were going through. and Tons of time, tons I, of money. Right, exactly. And I distinctly remember having the conversation with my now wife about getting a wedding planner. Mm -hmm. And it was, I thought, <laughs> honestly, I was like, I'm a consultant and <laughs> I, I know that I should, mm -hmm. but I see that initial investment and it's, it's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But it was the feeling and the thought that I was going to be such a hypocrite for not going with a wedding consultant, right? A wedding planner yep. that eventually, you know, pushed me over the top and to actually start talking to them. And it is it is in those conversations that mm -hmm. you realize how much you don't know. Yeah. If it wasn't for that wedding planner, I don't know how we would have gotten around because nobody was driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and it's it's those little details that um, she was there to help us out. Uh, I get it, and, man. I remember when I got married years ago, clearly. <laughs> but getting a wedding planner was 
bar none, like one of the best things I could have ever done. It, yes, it was super expensive, but all I had to do was just pick and choose. This is what I envision. This is what I want. And they just make it happen. And this is the same thing within uh, working with uh, contractors and, and consultants. And you, mm -hmm. they help you to make your vision come true. And they also are there to help to be able to create value within the confines of your time and money constraints. And so sometimes they can actually help you to increase that money and time by saving you tons of money and time. Yes, that, that's what, I, again, we're like on the same wavelength today because I, I was gonna say that that was the initial investment that we made for the planner. And mm -hmm. again, synonymous with, with what happens with us is, is that initial investment is large and you know, you're signing on to this long relationship. Mm -hmm. But with that, with getting us on board, you get to benefit from our relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when we're talking about putting a lot of labs together, we're not kidding. And mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of people in our circles that we're helping and just like my wedding where we got exactly what we wanted, mm -hmm. but actually we were able to recoup some of that cost because we were working through our wedding planners relationships for the flowers, for the, the venue, for the, all those details that she helped us through. She also helped us negotiate the price and, mm -hmm. you know, set us up with her friends that gave us, you know, the discounts that actually helped out in, in the long run. And, you know, actually, I think if I remember correctly, it ended up almost taking care of her whole cost. Yeah, I think that's so great when you can share that because I think that people take into perspective such an, an emotional event, especially mm -hmm. in uh, in our own careers, especially for entrepreneurs and innovative investigators that are thinking of new ideas and to be open to want to do some of these things or want to take risk because right. the, it's just inherent in in trying to create something that actually doesn't exist in reality and so therefore you want to provide yourself with the best available resources that can enhance that and if you're constantly in this fear mindset you're kind of constantly trying to like penny pinch your way to it but that actually like prevents you from actually reaching it even sooner or faster but again this is just the part of the biology aspect of being a human being and this is why we spend a lot of time coaching and helping people to understand mm -hmm. how to work with their own mindset in and around this. And so coaching is a big component of what we do as well, because there is this emotional quotient that allows us to say, hey, you're feeling this way is because of this. You're feeling this way, it's probably because of this. And then have mm -hmm. them be much more self-reflective. And then this is just a training skill set. I think set. it has a lot to do with what you're trying to get out of the situation too. We call them the three C's, you know, so we have the outsourcing, which is contracting. Mm -hmm. And then we have the pure advice, which is consulting. Mm -hmm. And then there's coaching. And when I think of coaching, I think of someone who wants to grow, someone mm -hmm. who wants to streamline their thoughts and someone who wants to get better. It's a want, it's a want, it's a want. You have to want it. That's why I see sometimes senior leaders that get appointed an executive coach or some kind of mm -hmm. coach and they don't want it. It doesn't often work. And so there's gotta be an inherent desire to want to improve and stuff. Right, because it is work. You're, you're essentially <laughs> asking for more work. It's just a lot more personal and in some ways more difficult. But it's growth. It's huge amounts of growth, not only mm -hmm. like professionally, but even personally, it helps people to become much more comfortable in a lot of their decisions. A lot of good senior leaders make decisions really quickly and comfortably and confidently. And they're not afraid to like screw up from time to time. How many times have you been 
coaching someone through a negotiations mm-hmm. and they've failed to think that they're also moving their whole family if they decide <laughs> to take something that is, you know, on the other side of the country yeah. or in another country. Mm-hmm. When you can help somebody to see their career, not only just on the pro- professional level, but on the personal mm-hmm. level, how does this career decision affect your family? How does it affect what you're going to be doing five years down the line? All of these things are just kind of narratives within one's mind. And that's one of the points of coaching is where we work them out to kind of help them to see that and create clarity. This is where these numbers and from time and money start to make sense. And so, Nick, you you probably don't know us, but like in America, many of people uh, do is spend tons of money to try to like save, invest in their kids for college and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive, but yet there's no guarantee that this uh, your kid is going to be successful at, in or out of college, especially at, when you're looking at them at five years old. <laughs> right. So you hope that you're going to save $100,000 <laughs> this kid is going to want to do it and will do it. But you right. you. You do it because it makes sense because you want them to be successful and love them for that. And so these mm-hmm. are some of the same things that we we try to get them to see this holistically. Right. I want to go back to this idea around negotiations. We actually had a client that we were coaching through negotiations. And he was deciding between two big, huge institutions, one down south and one up north in the Midwest. And down south has been well known to provide a ton of resources, particularly in and around money. And so Mm. the package was going to be exceptionally large. However, one of the things that uh, we he had not considered was his whole uh, his whole research objectives holistically and how it impacted his his whole family. And so one of the things I told him, I said, maybe you might want to think about what does your wife want? What do you want in what does your wife want is for her career for what she's trying to do? And he was like, what does her career have to do with my career? And I'm uh, like, well, it actually at like, home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually like matters significantly because there's many components that if you're not really happy at work nor at home, it makes it mm-hmm. much more difficult and challenging to take on some of those more difficult challenges when you're trying to start your own endeavor and the support you have on an emotional level at home matters significantly. And right. he's like, all right, let me go talk with her. <laughs> and it was important. It was really, really important. And so they had a long conversation. I told them, I'm like, just have the conversation. Just even open it up for a discussion. Right. And she came back and she was like, wow, you want to know what I want from my career? That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, oh, I just thought always you were going to be there supporting me. She goes, yeah, but I also have my own uh, uh, career endeavors as well, plus the kids and whatever this. So they had right. that heart to heart conversation. And as they started deciding, they actually integrated most of the negotiations negotiations and discussions for where they were going. They no longer mm-hmm. took the position, which uh, took the uh, position, which was down south, which was a lot, a lot of money. They gave that up. Right. And it just made sense to give it up because it didn't fit into their overall vision. And mm-hmm. so through that, we were able to coach them through negotiating for her position as well. And so these institutions was like, all right, let's help your spouse find a, a position as well. And you see these kinds of conversations, while they might not on the surface seem like that it has anything to do with the initial engagement of like the conversations of negotiations. They Mm -hmm. have everything to do with the emotional component of the whole uh, venture. 
And I think that's a huge component when sometimes you can't necessarily see the forest through the trees. And that's what we <laughs> help in the, in the coaching segment. So this aspect of coaching that EDC does uh, is such a large topic. We actually want to give it its own episode to cover a little bit more in depth. And we're actually going to add in another perspective. We're going to add in a guest who they themselves have a coach and they can provide that perspective from the mentee, the coachee, the <laughs> the receiver of, of the advice and, and uh, walk us through how those sessions are, walk us through the feelings of what it's like to have a coach. And yeah. then we'll also be there to provide, you know, our, our side of things, which is what we do for our clients and, and how we're helping them out through the coaching as well. Just kind of wrap things up here because we've covered quite a bit of, mm -hmm. of information and we want you to kind of like digest this and really look at your own research lab and practice and your own small company and where do you want it to go and how can you leverage contractors, consultants, and coaches in being able to help you to focus all your efforts towards what you really want in your own vision? Because it, it matters and they can actually help you to make because sure that Because you it don't matters. need to do it alone. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do this all alone. <laughs> Thanks again, guys, for listening. This has been the EQIQ podcast. We've talked about our good classic three C's on contracting, consulting, and coaching. Please stay tuned in the next episode where we get to dive a little bit deeper on the coaching element. If you have any more questions, please feel free to reach out to us at our website. And if you want more information on this episode, please check out our show notes on our website. The website is www.experimental-designs.com. Thanks again. Production. Doesn't mean you can't hear me, sucker.